Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Thursday night slash Friday morning, we're going to talk a little bit of USC and Ohio State Cotton Bowl. It was kind of a crazy week with Christmas and everything, so I apologize. We didn't have a, any podcast yet here till the end of the week, but we wanted to talk with Dan Weber. And Dan and I are both in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We're at different hotels right now chatting over Skype. Wanted to answer your questions about the this team and the game and talk to Dan, pick his brain about what's been going on this week at the practices and all the press conferences. And Dan, Dan's been to all those. So we're going to do all of that. Any questions or comments, uh, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email, or you can call us at 424-254-9141. Call or send us a text. We love to hear from you. We love to respond, and we'll do our best to do all of that here on the podcast this evening. We already had, so we did a couple podcasts late. We had a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast with Keeley and Gerard Martinez. Uh, usually I do that. I apologize. I've had the flu and bronchitis, so I'm just recovering from all that, traveling and everything. Um, so Keeley did that, and then Keeley and Shotgun had their Family Feud podcast actually earlier on Thursday. So we're going to try to squeeze one more podcast in before the end of the week, and we welcome in Dan Weber, who's been here since before Christmas, covering the team. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just uh, we're at the uh, Omni Media uh, Hotel, uh, and it's also the, the hotel where both uh, bands are staying. And uh, uh, in, in trying to circumvent the uh, the big big lines at the elevator and the first floor and the second floor and the third floor, <laughs> Came up to the fourth floor, and as I was doing that, met a, a USC guy. Said, "I listened to all the podcasts." I said, "Well, we're about to do one right now." So he said, "That's great." So, so anyway, I was trying to sneak up. I ended up uh, on an elevator with like uh, a dozen Ohio State uh, band members, uh, and they, they had done the Battle of the Bands this afternoon uh, uh, in da- in a downtown downtown park, Clyde Warren Park in downtown. Uh, Dallas built over the freeway, and uh, it was good. It was fun. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, we want to talk about all that, um, everything you've seen out here this week uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Wanted to jump in, just talk about our sponsor real quick, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us, and I got a little Trader Joe's story in my on my flight today. I was uh, in line at security at Virgin America, and the woman in front of me had a backpack on with a Trader Joe's USC uh, bag, you know, those reusable bags that are so popular, rolled up, and I asked her about it, and she said her mom got it. Uh, she went to USC, but she doesn't go there anymore. Um, but so she has not been to the new Trader Joe's at University Village. She was asking about that. So we we had a good chat about that, but those Trader Joe's bags are still very popular. So I saw one, instantly knew it right away, and it sparked a, a conversation in line for us to uh, check our bags. So um, but I want to say happy 50th anniversary to Trader Joe's. Thanks for uh, being a great sponsor uh, this football season. Uh, it's been awesome. Um, last game. You need a little, you're going to you know, watch the game at home. You're not making it down here to Dallas. 
jump into Trader Joe's, pick up some wine, pick up some beer, some cheese, lots of different snacks. Uh, get those peanut butter cups. Those are awesome. All kinds of cool stuff. You can go to Trader Joe's and, and watch USC's last game of 2017 in style with your own little Trader Joe's uh, tailgate in your house. So check it out. And if you're here, there's a lot of tailgates. Dan and I were just talking about. There's a bunch of tailgates here. Hopefully, you can pick up your stuff at Trader Joe's. I'm pretty sure there's Trader Joe's here in Dallas, Dan. I think so. I think I think there is. Yes. Yeah, I would think so. So, um, I think cool they're in almost all the all the major metropolitan areas in the country. I, I looked that up one day just to see uh, see all the places where where they are, and it, it doesn't look like they're missing any of them. Well, let's. I wanted to talk about kind of what you've been seeing here uh, over the past. I just got here today, but you've been here. I believe you came in on Christmas Eve, right? Is that the uh, yes? Um, so, uh, Christmas Day. Yeah, it's Christmas, and I feel like I, I was here yeah, for the first practice. I, first practice I got to see was Christmas. Uh, uh, Christmas Day, I guess it was. No, it was I came in on Christmas Day. First practice was the day after Christmas because uh, USC uh, has had a little different practice schedule, say than Ohio State. Ohio State's had one more open practice and one more practice, I guess, than than USC since they got here. So. Uh, so we got basically just one uh, one USC practice at um, AT and T, where they allow you just to be there for 15 minutes. It's basically for the uh, photographers more than us. Although the one thing you could see, and I told people that you could tell that Port Augustine was not back, and he was still, you know, in shorts and not in pads and not doing any football stuff. And today, Clay did. Finally, say yeah, he's out. He's not. He's not going to play. Uh, the other thing you could see, Vilas Jones' ankle looks pretty stiff. Uh, I would be shocked if he's able to play. Jack Jones, I think, is kind of flip a coin. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, and I don't know that that they know, and maybe you know they'll know tomorrow at game time. But that that was about all. The other thing you could see is they're really working to play fast. I think they think they have – that's kind of what they maybe, uh, you know, where they might have an edge is just uh, – Ohio State doesn't see teams uh, that play fast. Uh, I guess the last two that they saw that played fast were Clemson last year in the playoffs and um, uh, Oklahoma this year. I think we know how both of those games went. And so uh, – so I think I think you may see a, a concerted effort of USC, especially on offense, to go tempo because uh, the big advantage Ohio State has on everybody is they're basically ten deep up front, you know, with uh, four NFL guys and uh, just one one you know one player after another, and that they can you know they rotate so much, but if you're running tempo, they can't substitute. So uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, kind of piece of the you know the chess match that's going to happen and how soon USC does it do they start out that way um, I think they want the players want to uh, it'll be interesting to see I think that's a, one of the, the interesting calls for people to look at for tomorrow night is does USC start in tempo and uh, and how does how does Ohio State handle it yeah there's I mean so many interesting storylines in this one and it was cool that we got to uh Kind of get your reports of, of what you've been seeing. The injury reports are always interesting. People asking about Port Augustine and all that. So I'm glad you addressed that. And I, 
you know, the cotton you were talking about, the cotton bowl does a great job. I'm, I wasn't here and I'm getting all these emails, transcripts of kind of what's been going on. It's a little more, I guess, homogenized, you know, than when we go to practice, like in Los Angeles, like kind of oh, like yeah. very specific things that you're kind of getting, but uh, it seems like it was worth it to be out here and just kind of get a feel for what was been going on. Well, uh, I mean, you do get a sense of uh, like I mean, the access to the players. I, I thought it was uh, was worthwhile. You get five or six uh, players from you know the defense one day and the offense another day. You really get a chance to see and and get a sense of what do the high state kids think about USC. And, and you know, you, you don't have to deal. You know, you can go on the on the boards or even read you know the newspapers and and what have you, and you know. Okay, they probably don't really get it, but what are the what do the Ohio State kids think? What do the coaches think? And and, and so you do get to talk to you know, Greg Ciano, the defense coordinator, uh, and and just ask him what do you what do you see when you see USC, and, and what do you see when you see Sam Donald and Ronald Jones? Uh, like today, Urban Meyer couldn't. He was asked about Sam, and he went into a fairly long answer about Sam Donald and. And then he, like, stopped himself almost in mid-answer and said, but that, that Ronald Jones, uh, he might be just as good. Uh, and, you know, say, you know, it was somebody that maybe we haven't all heard about as much. But then we said, when you watch him on, on film, he's really good. And he said, you know, he's as good as anybody we've played. And he said, and you got to consider, we've already played, you know, Saquon Barkley of uh, Penn State. Said he's, uh, you know, he's a top 10, top 10 player. And, uh, so you get, you know, little takes like that, uh, if you're, if you're out here talking to the coaches or, you know, and you get a sense of what they're going to try to do. And like T. Martin was talking about how he did film study for the, uh, for Ohio State and what films he looked at or Sam would talk about that. So I asked, uh, Greg Ciano a question based on that and he stopped me and said, what films did they look at? <laughs> well, they looked at all of them, but uh, they may have looked at that Oklahoma film and uh, uh, and the Penn State film from last year. And he said, yeah, I knew they would. He said, I bet they looked at the Iowa film, too. I said, <laughs> I think they did. So that was, you know, that's fun to kind of get that back and forth because you don't often get that. Uh, the uh, The one thing that was missing this year, because this game is so early, it's the first of the – January 6th bowl games and playing it on Friday. They had to cut out what I thought was the, the best part of last year's Rose Bowl when uh, both teams bring all their players and all their coaches uh, for, a, uh, you know, like an hour where you get everybody on the team. And, uh, and they, that day they didn't have, a t- have time for the way the schedule worked out. So we didn't get to do that. But, uh, but otherwise, I think – it's it's worth it to to kind of get a sense of exactly who these guys are and and what they're thinking and and how they uh, you know do they really uh, I mean they're you know you can go way back to Oklahoma in the famous Owens Bowl when after talking to them you realize they have no idea what's going to happen to them you just knew that I mean it's just the coaches didn't know the players didn't know. And they were, you know, had all the kind of wrong takes on USC football. Ohio State, you get the sense they they know they understand that 
what USC can do. Not always, you know, those of us who follow USC don't know always if they're going to do it, but what they can do. And I think they know, they know USC is different from anybody that they play and has a potential that, uh, that maybe people they don't, you know, that they, they play don't. Uh, but again, USC is so difficult to read. I mean, you, you know, will they show up? Won't they show up? Will they show up every play? Will they show up one quarter, not the next? Will they show up one half, not the next? Who, who really knows? Uh, I don't think we know. That's, I mean, I think the way you put that is perfect. It's potential, and both of these teams have it. They have the potential to lay an egg, like USC went on the road to Notre Dame, and Ohio State went on the road to, to Iowa. And, uh, and, and yeah. do that. But they also usually have more five stars than anyone they play. Um, there's that potential there. You know if they put it together, they can do stuff that most of the teams they play can't do. So that's what makes this interesting to me, Dan, is these two teams have all that potential and have that potential to to lay an egg also. And, and we've seen that happen a lot. They don't, they don't always play to their potential, but if they do – Look out, because there's a lot of athletes and a lot of dudes that can do some crazy stuff. Yeah, the, the Dobbins kid is really an impressive oh, uh, kid, yeah. a freshman. He, he's got a lot of that, you know, look of Saquon Barkley, and uh, you know, just you know, he's not any. I mean, he's almost, I doubt if he's any taller than I am. I mean, they list him at five ten. I don't even know that he's that. I mean, really built. I mean, just strong as can be. Um, you know, he's really a good one. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they just, they've got a lot of talent and, and they're veterans. They've got nine senior captains. I think I talked to seven of them and these guys have been around four and five years. Nine and, captains. Uh, Jeez. Nine. Yeah. They got more captains than anybody. They got more captains than most uh, two teams. USC tried six once, but that didn't work out with the Josh Shaw thing, yeah, if nine. you remember that. <laughs> so, USC is going to be outnumbered at the coin flip. Uh, I don't think there's, there's any question about it. Real mature kids, I don't know how that works out. Sometimes that's a real plus. Sometimes, you know, the end of – I mean, I talked to their, their middle linebacker who, who now they play on the outside. <laughs> he was talking – he, he said uh, – he said somebody said, "Well, where where do you go from here?" And he says, "Well, I'm going where it's really warm, and I'm going where it's not, you know." And I I kidded him. I said, "Well, I'm, it was uh, 80 in Orange County when I left the other day." He says, "I'm going out there." He said, "Actually, he said to be honest, I'm going to Hollywood, and, I, and I'm going to hang out there for a while, and then I'm going to Arizona to train for the uh, for the combine." I said, oh, "Okay," but uh, uh, you, you could see. There, you know, there's that sense of, you know, USC's in a different place from most of the other schools. And if they show up and play like USC, um, you know, they're, they'll be in good shape, uh, because there is that, that kind of respect factor, even though I think one or two of them didn't realize the streak and you know their fans don't. You just want to say to people, I'm not sure I'd be real cocky in a matchup with USC, if I'm Ohio State, if I realize that the last seven times these teams have played, going back to the 1973 season, you guys lost. That's seven straight. I mean, and the one kid said, what, really? Is that true? I said, yeah. 
But then some of the others all said, no, no, like our alumni have been telling us about that, or, yeah, we've heard it, we know. Uh, but I don't know that their fans know it. Their fans totally do not think this is going to be a game. They just think basically USC's defense cannot stay on the field with the Ohio State offense. They just they look at the stats, they look at the numbers, and they just say, you know, they can't play us. And of course, the stats are skewed now. There, um, Greg Ciano said, "Hey, those are those stats are skewed." I mean, he said we play in a conservative conference. Uh, he didn't mention this, but five of the uh, teams that they played were below number one hundred on and on offense. I mean, they and they basically have played two dynamic quarterbacks in the last couple of years: uh, uh, Deshaun Watson. And, uh, Baker Mayfield. And again, didn't turn out so well, uh, for them. Because they don't see that, those kinds of, of players. So Sam comes in and, and plays like that. And Shauna said, hey, he is, you know, it's just like Baker Mayfield, but in a bigger body. Uh, Sam comes out and plays like that. I think they know, you know, life could, you know, they've got to get to him. I mean, they, and that's what they pride themselves on. And very much like Penn State last year, that was their game plan, get to Sam. And they tried everything, and they couldn't get to Sam. And they were unbelievably frustrated. It will be really interesting if, if Ohio State tries everything they got and they don't quite get to him. Uh, as, as Urban Meyer said, you know, said today, he said, if that happens, if we don't get to him, and he does throw the ball with time, uh, with their receivers, uh, we will not be able to stop them. So, so here they come, Sam. They're coming. <laughs> um, so some interesting stuff from this week of preparation. Today, I guess, was the last sort of event. Um, I think you went to get to go check it out. I just had landed, and I think this was going on. The Battle of the Bands? Uh, right. how, how was that? Was that interesting? Well, you know, I wish the park... They, they basically they took uh, the main freeway north south through town the 35, and I guess it is the freeway that, that JFK was heading to Stemmons Freeway, and they put a park over it. So you're limited in the size by the amount of space they have over uh, over the freeway through downtown. So whereas uh, a couple of years ago when they did this in San Diego they had the two bands facing one another and they didn't have anybody in between. We're here. They had the USC band on one side, the Ohio state band on the other. And, and they had, uh, fans everywhere in between. And one of the Ohio state kids said, you know, I couldn't hear the USC band. And that was the same way. If you were down at the USC end, you couldn't hear the Ohio state band or see them. So like, if you're watching them do USC band, do Tusk and you don't get to see the song girls as part of that, you really miss the whole flavor of it. So uh, it wasn't thought out probably as well as it should have been, uh, but they were limited uh, geographically by it. But uh, but the USC band finished with, uh, you know, they, they would each do a, I, mean, I guess they did about nine, ten tunes apiece, but USC finished with uh, with Tusk, and uh, it's hard to top, uh, hard to top <laughs> Tusk. It was funny, I saw a tweet from our buddy uh, Ray, USC Psycho, 
he got the so you always see him he's the guy with the um uh license plate that says usc psycho he's always right. in the front row and stuff and then you always see that buckeye guy the bucknut guy uh who's oh, like yeah. the crazy guy so they had a picture together the two of them so two, i missed that i haven't seen that yet oh that's pretty good so two see, super it was fans so crowded you couldn't see things like that down down in front if you you know unless you got there an hour and a half early and unfortunately i was uh chauffeuring a couple of our la media types who uh Never seemed to get there on time. So <laughs> we were, we were life or death. We got there uh, by the start, but uh, we were life or death because again, it's right in the middle of downtown, and the parking spaces were. Because I mean, like the USC band, we're talking six or seven or eight buses. I mean, it's a whole block wow. of just USC band, and they have all the, uh, you know, the lunches and uh, you know, drinks and food and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's real. You realize, or if you get in a hotel with them, man, when you take that many guys, uh, they're pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, you gotta give them credit. Cause they do have, as good as the Ohio State band is, they can't come close to matching the USC band in terms of, uh, that, uh, streak that goes back to 1970, whatever, of never having missed a road game or, you know, home or road game, obviously, home game. But uh, made every travel, every trip. Um, and uh, the other thing today, although he looked a little bit chilly, is Traveler was here. And, yeah. And, and, and with the band. And Traveler looked like he was moving around to try to stay warm because uh, <laughs> I think it was about 42. And uh, that's a little that's a little chill for, for uh, all of us Southern Californians now. Yeah, I would say that's a little bit chilly for uh, what we expect. So, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad when I got here. Um, okay, we've got some questions. Before we jump into all that, I wanted to thank our sponsor, SeatGeek. If you want to buy tickets to a sporting event, it can be complicated. It can be confusing. There's a better way to buy using SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every type of live event. Of course, we're talking about the Cotton Bowl coming up on Friday. If you're searching for a last-minute deal, you want a night out with your, your family, your friends, uh, you want to find a perfect gift, SeatGeek will help you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, nothing quite like seeing the Trojans in person. SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I'm looking on their app right now, so download the app. It's a great way to check out where the tickets are, what you're looking for. They're starting at $73 for the Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, that's 7.30 p.m. local time on Friday, December 29th. Um, just a few taps, you can instantly find your seats. Um, you can do great holiday shopping on SeatGeek. You need a, a late gift for somebody, you can do that too. It'll save you money, save you time. It'll search by searching multiple ticket sites, comparing all the prices and finding amazing deals, and you'll get the most bang for your buck because they grade every ticket based on value. So you know what the value of the ticket that you're getting. And like I said before, it's fully guaranteed. So you can buy on SeatGeek with confidence. Make it your go-to app to find the best types of deals on every ticket, sporting events, concerts, comedy, theater. So best of all, for all of you here on the Peristyle Podcast, our listeners, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code USC, that's promo code USC, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So check it out. You can still get down here. You want to come down here? Uh, saw a lot of USC fans. How, what's it been like, Dan, out there? Has it been... A good mix of USC and Ohio State fans? Or is there a lot of one or the other? Until today, mostly Ohio State fans. Okay. Uh, a good mix today. Uh, but uh, Ohio State got here first. 
I think a lot of them grow. Uh, but uh, it, it, you see more uh, students. I think the, uh, more Ohio State students would be here, I would guess. Uh, but USC uh, started coming in today, and so and an awful lot of those people did go to the Battle of the Band. So not a lot to do when it's kind of this cold, and it's really gray and cold. And so people were looking for something to do, and I think uh, you know, today the, the Battle of the Bands was it. But, uh, but Ohio State still had, had more people had more people there. But, uh, but otherwise, uh, I think they're just, uh, you know, hunkering down because uh, I think it's, you know, it's going to, by the end of the week, it might be right, you know, by Sunday, I think it's going to be snowing or this, what do they call it? Wintry mix. Wintry mix. Ice. Wintry mix. So uh, we'll be getting out of here just in time. Yes, I'll be heading off to San Antonio to cover the Army All-American Bowl. Oh, so that's right. Yeah, so I've been, uh, I, yeah, I flew in, so people don't know, I yeah, I had the flu, I had bronchitis, so I was like out of it, I'm still uh, kind of recovering. Uh, I was back east in Washington, D.C. visiting family, so uh, last night I flew in, I think I got to Los Angeles a little after 11, and then turned around and left my house about 6 a.m., uh, to, to get to the airport to fly to Dallas, so it's been a, I got like six hours at home, um, but hopefully, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast, I'm trying not to do too much, hopefully be all rested up for the game, so uh, we'll hopefully we'll be, well, we got a bunch of questions, Dan, so let's uh, try to get to those too, um, Tark says, do you think the outcome of this game will have much of an effect on Sam Darnold's decision to stay or go? That's a good question, I don't I don't, I mean, I think you could look at it, you know, both ways. I think, I mean, I do think how they might do next year, uh, and how much fun that might be for Sam might, you know, come out of this game. And I, I think you can make the case that if he stays, uh, maybe they, you know, they could go into next year thinking, okay, we didn't get it done last year when everybody thought we were, you know, a playoff team and all that. But we could do it this next year, which I think they clearly could if uh, if uh, Sam stays. So is that is that a factor? I don't know. He he hasn't. I don't think he's really thought about it a lot. I don't think his family has thought about it a lot. I don't think they've been you know getting advice from agents and all that kind of thing, which obviously isn't really uh, often advice. It's just uh, you know how do I sign this kid up? <laughs> yes. Um, so they stayed away from that, uh, and I, I, you know, I he, Sam did talk about he's got seven classes uh, to get his degree, so that would be make it really doable, uh, you know, between summer and uh, you know and next year. I, I thought it was interesting. Eleven of the uh, twenty-two Ohio State players have their degrees. Uh, their best player, I think, is their best player, is Billy Price, their center. I mean, if you were going to create a guy and say, this is what I want a center to look like, it would be this guy. He's 6'4", 312, smart kid. Uh, he's got his masters already. Wow. So, I mean, they've figured out a way to keep those kids in school. And um, it would be nice if, if that could happen a year or so at USC, like next year. Because I think they'd have a big uh, a big edge on uh, on where the year goes. So will that be enough of a factor? I mean, 
I don't know what, what matters to Sam. I, I know I did tell him one day, I said, here's a little stat for you. Uh, of the last 13 Super Bowls, all the starting quarterbacks for the last 13 years of the Super Bowl had three full years of college experience as a starter. So they started three years, and Sam started two. He said, wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So I don't know. Is there something like that? You know, do you say, you know what, I need another year of making, you know, high-speed, under-pressure decisions as a quarterback, and then I'm, you know, then I'm ready to go? I know he, he certainly is about challenges and about competing, and that's what the NFL will, will be. But, uh, but where does he look, you know, as that next competitive step to take? Um, is it, you know, to take the step to get USC back to that place where everybody hopes that, you know, the Trojans get someday? Or is it, is it to take the step into the NFL? He said, for example, he's not thinking like some people do, you know, if, if it looks like Cleveland's going to draft me, I'm not going. Um, I don't think that's even a factor in his mind. I don't, I, I, he just doesn't care about stuff like that. He's just going to be thrilled whoever drafts him and he'll move on. Uh, but um, you know it's there. And um, so, I, and, he, and Sam said yesterday, he said, you know, I just haven't thought about it enough to give you a good answer. Uh, but after, our, you know, we get past the cotton bowl on that, I'll be able to give you a better answer as to how I'm approaching it and how I'm thinking about it. So I think it'll factor in, but I don't know how he's going to weigh every part of his decision. Yeah, we'll see. This is, uh, I think it's important. I think it'll certainly weigh in. And uh, the way this goes, it could change the mindset. Uh, maybe not change the overall decision, but certainly change some of the, the thought process going in. We got a question from... The Johnson family, I guess it's the whole family. Uh, thank you, Johnson family, for listening. He said, how is it decided on players who travel for road games? I asked because Vianney Talonvival was on the sidelines at Notre Dame, yet Jamel Cook did not go. What reason would USC have for bringing an injured player and leaving a healthy one behind? Thanks, as always, uh, Randall in Dallas. Oh, I'm sorry. So this is Randall in Dallas by way of New Orleans. Uh and I guess he's part of the Johnson family. We also had a question from um, Paul in Vegas asking about Jamel Cook, what his pr prognostication for him going forward. So maybe kind of talk about all of that. Well, I, I, mean, I think one of the decisions that's factored in with Jamel has been uh, classwork and all you know all of the academic part of, of things. And uh, I think there might have been times when Jamel wasn't part of uh, you know trips or practices or anything because of um, a commitment to academics uh, and so he um, he missed uh, missed some games and missed uh, you know dressing and then the last week that, that we saw him at USC he was out there uh, you know after exams and all that and running around and, and looking like the you know the player he can be so uh, hopefully they've gotten past uh, the, the whole, you know, Jamal and academics and what does he want to do and, and all of that. Um, um, as far as travel, uh, there are two different situations. In the Pac-12, you've got a, a, a Pac-12 number for road trips, which because it 
seems to change over the it's just you know that there's a number and i don't know what that number is exactly right now it was probably too low for a while and unfair to the traveling team uh but they didn't want to you know allow some teams to travel the whole squad uh but when you're out of the pac 12 uh you can take uh you know you can take everybody like to notre dame if you want uh and um so you can definitely take, you know, the injured guys and all that. It's just uh, however you you want to do that. But uh, but I, I do think you know a guy like uh, Viani, if they've got if they got room, uh, you shouldn't knock out a you know a player who might play or might be needed or whatever. But uh, but I think that's a that's a good idea. But I don't think they make the decision on the same level. There was one decision made for Jamel, uh, independent of. Uh, the decision made for Rihanna. Uh, so I don't think in those cases they go, uh, those decisions don't depend on one another. Yeah. And then like, what do you think about cook kind of going forward? Well, I mean, you just hope, uh, thought he looked real good. Uh, the few days we saw him in practice, uh, uh, he's got, he's got a lot of ability. He's got a lot of talent. He can do some things. Uh, the disappointment was that when he kind of got lost a little bit this year is they didn't have him on the, uh, on special teams. And, uh, and that's where I think he could have really gotten a lot done this year and, and didn't for reasons that he was just kind of hadn't made up his mind exactly what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. And if he wanted to be, you know, fully committed and all that. And if he is, uh, I don't know. We can look for him tomorrow. Uh, uh, you know, on special teams. Uh, I mean, there are just so many ways he can help his team, but you, you hesitate to make any predictions based on, you know, this season where he's kind of been lost a little bit. Uh, but, uh, he's got, I mean, the nice thing about him is you could kind of pencil him at any, any of the three, uh, spots on, uh, in the secondary. And, uh, you know, he can play there. Uh, I think it hurt him a little bit that he, he, he had that versatility and maybe didn't have one absolute spot to learn and, and to fill in. And, and you could see why you'd be tempted to do that because of his, uh, you know, his skill set and his physic, you know, his physicality, his athleticism. But, uh, but I think, you know, he can be as, as good as he wants to be, and he can be, uh, you know, as important a factor for this USC program as he decides he's going to be. And, you know, it's completely up to him to uh, to make that decision. We had one from uh, Ted in Manhattan Beach, uh, my neighbor Ted. Uh, I'm in Hermosa. Uh, it is my understanding that red-shirted players are able to play in a bowl game without losing their eligibility. What does that mean for Marlon Tuipilotu? Could he play in the bowl game since he's a medical redshirt? Thanks, Ted in Manhattan Beach. No, I don't. I don't think the medical redshirts uh, can play. I don't know. I guess they that rule did pass. Now that you say that, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, even, I'd have to look at that. I don't think anybody's even talked about. It. I know it was suggested as a as a uh, as a really good idea. I think now that you say that, they may have actually passed that rule, uh, which is, it just seems kind of crazy. 
I don't think that would apply to a medical wheelchair. And, and Marlon's not ready to play at all. I mean, he, he hasn't put on a pad or a helmet or anything. I mean, we've seen him out of practice a couple of times. Uh, but, uh, but that, you know, that could be a, a, an interesting factor, uh, you know, down the road when you get a kid who you've decided to redshirt. And then I don't think if he, if the redshirt is a medical redshirt, you're going to be allowed to do that. Uh, but I think if he's a regular med, a regular red shirt, I think that was the idea is, uh, you could, you could still play him in, in bowl games. And I think one of the thoughts there was if, other, if kids decide to skip the bowl game, uh, you know, you'd have somebody to, to put into that, that position. Uh, but, uh, I'm going to check to make sure on, on that whole rule and, whether that's uh, that's gone into effect, I would say with for USC, I wouldn't think there's anybody that's been redshirted that would be uh, able to step into a, a spot in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl. I, I just I wouldn't look look for that to happen. That, I know it was something that was proposed. I don't remember if it actually passed or whatever, but that was a proposal. Um, and even if it was proposed and passed. That doesn't necessarily mean for this year either. I mean, and, and there has been no conversation. About yeah, I haven't heard anyone whatsoever. talk about that. So I would think even if it passed, it wasn't for this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally not a subject that I've seen, you know, one word written about. You would think somewhere in the country somebody would have would have taken advantage of that. And I uh, uh, haven't heard that. We had Jeff in Silmar. He said, what is the status of Olawali Batiku? Any chance he will get playing time next season? Oh, next season. Because tomorrow, I think his, uh, uh, his injury situation, I guess we should have mentioned him. He may be the other one. I mean, he's still been rehabbing, so I'm, I'm not completely sure. Um, he's, he, you know, that, Lack of, uh, having played football as a, you know, as a kid and, and really playing catch up all this, you know, this time, uh, I think there's a point where it kicks in and where you figure it out, where you figure out the angles and the, uh, the body, you know, control and, uh, what to do with your hands and what kind of things you've got to, you know, adjust for. Uh, you know, what deceptions and, and, and things like that. And I, I, he hasn't gotten there yet. But when he does get there, if he does, um, he will be a, he will be a load. Uh, but again, that's, uh, not something I don't think we can put any kind of timetable on. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, just because, for example, you're, uh, quick and strong and fast and all those things that doesn't always mean say you're playing defense that you can disengage from people and you can be all of those things but if you don't have the finesse or the you know the body uh you know control the 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 body lean all of that kind of thing you, you know you can still get uh tied up with people and and can't make plays uh so i don't know that we've seen that he can do that, and I don't know that he's, you know, seen for himself that he can do it. But, uh, but we need to see that, uh, him as a playmaker. And football still seems like a little bit of a foreign, um, 
you know, entity, uh, to, uh which it is. I mean, it is. It's, uh, and uh, to be expected to play at this level, uh, is, is kind of expecting a lot. So, uh, I think between this year and next year is the big, you know, time frame for him to be able to, you know, step in and say, you know, I've got this much athleticism, this much strength, this much quickness. I ought to be able to be a factor when I'm out on the field and, uh, and really feel like I know the game and, uh, and can contribute. And we just don't have that sense yet. Yeah, we do not. Um, we had, we were talking about the, uh, you know, players being eligible for the bowl game, redshirting, stuff like that. Don sent this in uh, just before UCLA's bowl game. And if you didn't know, Josh Rosen uh, practiced, warmed up, but did not end up playing. And they were saying it's concussion protocol. But, of course, there's speculation that he just didn't want to play in the bowl game. But Don's well, question... Let me, let me, let me, let me oh, sure. I can't imagine if you're in concussion protocol, you shouldn't be warming up. If you're Warming up, you shouldn't be in concussion protocol. Yeah, that Unless was you weird. You run into a wall between the warm-ups and and the start of the game. So I really had trouble believing that story. That that story just didn't sound uh, didn't have a ring of truth to it. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're you're in concussion protocol, you don't put the uniform on. You certainly don't put a helmet on, even to warm up. Yeah, and so, it was just like they were trying to make it look like he was, you know, they didn't want to make him look soft by not playing. I don't know. I'm not sure what it was. but Yeah, but there are a lot of those stories that you really don't know what what is the story. I don't think we have a clue. Well, Don wrote in and he said, if Rosen sits out their bowl game but comes back next year, I don't think that's going to happen, Don, I think this will set a back precedent. What's next? Will he sit out of a game next year because the opponent has a ferocious front seven and could risk injury? It will be more difficult next year for Rosen to be a leader if he sits out and comes back next year. Available scholarships. Uh, so that's, that was one part of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's coming back, Don. But he said, available scholarships. I'm a little confused about how scholarships USC has, how many they have available next year. It seems like Helton should have given the kicker and punter blue shirts if that was possible. Next year, there will be more seniors, likewise more scholarships available. Helton must know that a few players will transfer this year. What have you heard? Uh, that's all from Don. Uh, I think they... I think they're, they're stuck a little bit. I don't think they know how many are leaving. I think that may play into the way they recruited yeah, uh, and they, you know, Clay talked today about we got a lot of, you know, we got a number of slots. We think we did great. Whereas Urban Myers said he hated it. He didn't like anything about it, and they finished number one in the nation. And they've got <laughs> all but two, all but two scholarships given out. You know, they said they had to work hard. He said you had to get on a plane every day after practice and all that. But but then you know Clay said it was great. Couldn't have been better. We, uh, you know, we got players we really wanted and needed, and we still have plenty of room, uh, to recruit between now and, you know, February. And, uh, again, it will significantly matter to USC how many guys leave. Yes. And they'll know, January 15th, they'll know that. And my guess is they've got guys who they're telling, you know, if we've got a scholarship, you got it. Uh, and so they're having to slow, 
slow walk this thing. Uh, whereas I think with Ohio State, the guys that are leaving are basically all their seniors. So I don't think they have the same, you know, sense of, oh, man, we better hold some of these back or we just don't, you know, we don't want to recruit 18 guys and then no scholarships are left for the uh, kids that are not going to decide until February. So I think USC was in a, a little bit of a tough spot uh, as far as uh, the early signing period. Uh, you know, it, it just put them in a position where they're having to, you know, crystal ball it as far as uh, who's leaving and who's not because I don't think all those decisions have been made yet. I think they know they know some of them, but uh, uh, so yeah, and I, I think USC numbers right now. I don't think they yeah. know numbers at all. And I think USC was in the spot where no one really knew exactly what to expect, and USC was just kind of hoping it was. February will still be the most important date, but then after you look at it, like nope, eighty <laughs> percent of the three hundred, you know, top three hundred players or whatever, all signed. You know, so the big schools signed just about everyone they could. So I think USC was hoping that wasn't going to be the case, and it was. And then you're like, all right, now we got to like change the way we're doing things. Well, and it may work out. I mean, st- stuff happens that just seems to protect USC when it comes to recruiting. And they may get every one of those undecided kids that they really, you know, that are undecided, and maybe they don't go to the other school that signed a bunch of guys because they look at USC and say, hey, that's a better place for me. So maybe it'll work. And yet my guess is they aren't going to do it this way next year. Yeah, uh, I think they'll change you next year. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, part uh, of the reason. That's not saying it might not work this year. Yeah. I mean, and I, for example, the whole JT Daniels thing, they clearly knew what was going to happen there, and they've known it for months, and they weren't allowed to say anything. I mean, they were, you know, the Daniels didn't want them to say anything. Nobody wanted them, you know, that out. So the USC coaches just didn't say anything. Uh, that changes how you look at this recruiting class, let's say, if you know that's going to happen. Okay, so they've got that you know, in the bag, uh, and, and just couldn't say it. So, but are there any others kind of, they're not, not reclassifying kids, but other kinds of recruits where they know what's going to happen. They're just not saying, uh, I don't know. I don't know why that would happen to USC more than, you know, Ohio state and Alabama and, you know, Georgia and all that. But, um, but, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because clearly it didn't play out the way uh, Urban Meyer thought it was going to play out either. So I don't think anybody knew for sure. I mean, same with Nick Saban. He didn't like it, didn't want to do it, didn't want any part of it, and it worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we shall, we shall see. I think USC was a little unlucky just the way that they didn't have a lot of scholarships to kind of give out. So, it would have been better to maybe start this next year and maybe they would have been a little bit more aggressive. They did look like they kind of got caught with their pants down, not really realizing what was going on. Um, but part of the reason and too, I, I also think maybe they don't quite have that, you know, infrastructure that, uh, uh, support staff. Yes. Uh, and maybe they don't have all the, you know, the, the coaches that go out and recruit. I mean, Urban Meyer talked about some days they only had five or six coaches for practice. You just didn't get the sense that USC had that many coaches on the road. Yeah. 
And that that's a good. I'm, my guess would be Ohio State has more coaches on the road than USC does, and that's probably not a good thing. And that and this is a, a good segue to our question from Ted. He he addressed a couple different things. One of them being the you know could some guys transfer? And he mentioned like uh, Jordan Austin, Jalen Jones. Maybe he means Jalen. I don't know. Uh, Grant Moore, Deontay Nunnery, Jacob Daniels, maybe some others. Um, so he's talking about maybe guys transfer, but he's also talking about USC being woefully short in the recruiting department as far as support staff goes. And do you think Lynn Swan's going to allocate more of a budget to grow this unit? Because if you're going to talk about recruiting during bowl prep, you need that support staff to be a lot bigger, I think, than than what it is, because they they have to be on top of things. You can't you can't wait and have all the official visits after the season if people are signing right after the season, you know, so I, so maybe address those two things. Yeah, no, I don't, I think it absolutely makes the case that you need, uh, you need a bigger staff. I don't think USC addressed that. I, I would, I don't know where that, you know, falls in. Uh, but I thought you had to be more aggressive and realize that, man, you're going to have coaches that are, you know, coming and going and, and during bowl practice. It just, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a badly thought out, idea by the NCAA. I mean, it was not well thought out. There's not a coach who agrees that it was well thought out. Uh, it really asked coaches to do two things at once, to be in two places at once. And the only way you can make up for that is with um, with your support staff. And uh, I don't know that USC did that. Uh, and I think that's that's a myth. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking... USC's assistant coaches, and I know people have gotten away somewhat from because of the increased support staff of, of assistant coaches having to go on the road. But I don't think there was any other way uh, you could do it uh, this year other than having all your coaches on the road. And I, I just I'm not sure that that has been the recent history of the entire USC coaching staff uh, as to you know be aggressively on the road. And there are some people that, that, that don't seem to, to do that much. And I'm not sure you can get away with that now. And it's harder at USC, no question. If you want to, I mean, you look at Ohio State's roster, and one, one captain I talked to, he's graduating with from Norfolk, Virginia. Another one was from Tarboro, North Carolina. And, you know, just different places that aren't exactly, you know, in Wichita Falls, Texas. And, you know, and you think, no, oh, they really, and they've become a real master program. As we've seen, they've come into, you know, Southern California, uh, come into Las Vegas. Uh, and so USC, and Christ said today, basically, 22 of our 25 most years, 20 to 22 at least, are going to be from the West Coast and from the Pac-12 footprint. And he had an interesting number. He said uh, there were 125 Basically, on average, there are 125 Power 5 signees a year from Southern California. Well, that's astonishing. That's an unbelievable number. And as Clay makes the point that if you don't sign those kids, you're going to be playing against them. They're either on your team or they're going to come after you. So I think in some ways, USC has to really dominate and uh, on the West Coast. Uh, the Pac-12 footprint... USC has to be able to get everybody they want 
for the, and, and I think I'm convinced that you can compete for a national championship. However, you still have to get Leonard Williams out of Florida, Nelson Aguilar out of Florida, Ronald Jones out of McKinney, Texas. You got to find those guys that, like Ronald Jones, always wanted to come to USC. Uh, you got to, you can't, and that takes a lot of work. Uh, you know, like Ed Orgeron, for example, when he got Leonard Williams, and what he had to do, and and with you know that family's circumstances and all of that, and the way. He convinced, uh, you know, Leonard that this is the place for you and I'm, you know, the guy to coach you. I think that has to happen and you need to see that, uh, from USC, uh, the ability to do that. And I'm not sure, uh, there's quite that ability right now. I mean, I think they did a wonderful job the last couple of years on the West Coast. Uh, but I think, uh, I think when you see an Ohio State and what a national recruiting program looks like you need to be able uh to pick up those three or four kids and the the criteria are and both coaches said this kid has to be a potential first round draft pick and there has to be some connection some reason why that kid uh would make that you know several thousand mile journey to go to college there and uh, to find those things out, that takes a lot of work to find that kid that really wants to come to USC, you know, that Ronald Jones. I mean, what if they wouldn't have, you know, realized, because he had committed originally to Oklahoma State, and what if they wouldn't have realized and, and made that connection, to, you know, to Ronald? I mean, you don't replace a kid like that if you miss him. So um, I think USC has to figure this out uh, so that, you know, they they just don't miss anybody. We got one last one for you, Dan, before we let you go. Um, this is a voicemail question uh, about the uh, the number 55 at USC. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Santa Barbara. Uh, I was wondering in your next podcast when you have Dan on, if you could discuss who the past players have been for USC that have worn number 55. Uh, we were discussing that the other day, and there are a number of us that are interested. I know there's been some great players that have worn that. And I know it's not being worn now, and I was just wondering what the background and details are. Thank you. Thanks for that question, John. And uh, I apologize. We uh, actually have to go back and re-record this section. was talking to Dan Weber on the show. Um, when I played the voicemail, something happened, and it made our voices all out of sync so you're not going to be able to hear what dan's response was and i do apologize for that um dan was uh he's not a big numbers guy i guess you could say he doesn't like putting that kind of pressure um on recruits and um you know even when a guy like keith rivers wore the number 55 for usc was he ever going to live up to be a junior seau um he told a really interesting story about the new york yankees back in the uh like the Babe Ruth days where they didn't even have numbers at the time and they were just giving them whatever the number at the, Oh, you bat fourth Babe Ruth. Okay. You're going to wear number four, Lou Gehrig. I think he was second, you know, number two. So Dan was kind of telling some interesting stories about that. So he's not a real big numbers guy, but obviously John, that's a, you know, a traditional number for USC. Um, some of the players recently have talked about not wanting to see it go to recruits have it be earned so we'll see um 
kind of what they do with that. There's some really good linebackers coming in uh, in this class. Uh, but, you know, guys like Willie McGinnis and Keith Rivers uh, wore the number. Um, obviously, you know, Junior Seau. So, I mean, a lot of um, traditional uh, USC powers. I think Marcus Steele wore it. Is not, you know, he wasn't all that great. Um, but, yeah, very, uh, very important Number, uh, I think what Lamar Dawson was the, the last guy to wear at USC. Um, so, I mean, he was like the highest rated player in the entire state of Kentucky the year he came out. And, uh, you know, never really had like an amazing career at USC. So, I kind of agree with Dan on this uh, as far as those numbers and stuff go. But I apologize that we didn't get to hear his uh, response to that. But you can go on the message boards and talk about it. But he just, in general, he's not a very big uh, numbers guy. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up again. Sorry, we lost the last portion of this uh, podcast. There was some syncing issue after I started to play the voicemail. We're not, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and I'm sick. We're not in our usual studio. We're doing this in a hotel room. So that was uh, the little, caused some kind of little snafu for that. But we do appreciate you listening to the Peristyle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.